What's going on, Foundry Church? Welcome to church once again today. I hope you're doing good. It is so good to be back together. Even though we're together yet apart, we know this, that we are bound together in the unity of the Holy Spirit and drawn together, knowing that we are the community of Christ. And even though the church has left the building and can't come back right now, we are still a people on mission and the church is living and active. And we're so glad to have you joining us today as we get rolling. So um, first thing I wanna do is just welcome you on this Palm Sunday. Um, you know, it's interesting with Palm Sunday. We have images in our head. I don't know about you, but um, of waving your palm frond when you were a little kid. I mean, anybody else, you know, like feel like you're at home and you're like, I just need to wave it, you know? It's Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week, and it is a good and wonderful thing that we, the church, just pause a little bit right now and recognize this is the beginning of the final week of Jesus's earthly life when everything for us changed. Welcome to Palm Sunday. Join me as we pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, as we um, prepare our hearts for worship today, I pray, God, that you would allow us to um, just kind of rest back into you. God, I know there's a lot of fear. I know there's a lot of anxiety. Um, I know that there's this uncertainty and there's all this talk of the economy and the fallout from all these things, the deaths and the sickness and the hospital and the workers and everything. So God, right now, we just claim back the words you gave us from Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shadow of the, in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And today, God, we're looking for your shadow. We're looking to get close to you and remind ourselves that our circumstances, um, they don't rule over you and that you would be God over all that we're facing. Uh, we pray especially today for the Veenstra family um, in the passing of Jason's grandmother. And we just ask that you would be with them and that you would guard their hearts and minds in this time. Um, just bless them. We also think of the Vanderkoy family who um, Pauline went to be with the Lord uh, just over a week ago, God. And, and we're just mindful, Lord, that in this time, it's hard to grieve. It's hard to know how to say goodbye. But Lord, we place this in your hand and we ask, God, that you would be with the Veenstras, that you would be with the Vanderkoys, and that you would remind us that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of your saints. So we ask, God, comfort for those who are grieving peace for those who are anxious, and for all of us, may we experience in some wonderful measure the unity of the Holy Spirit as we gather here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have something I want to show you, and I, want, I think it's important that we as a church know this. When, when we were working on the series we've been in this past um, fall, so it was early in the fall, we were working through the winter series, and um, Erica does all that kind of layout work for us and is getting it laid out, and we were naming kind of the series, and we had Listen, which was just tune in and listen to prophecy, then the seven churches in Revelation, then the week on Revelation. I mean, how amazing is that, that during a time of, of plague and shutdown and all this, we were in this series. And so we had listened, then we had believe, which was the seven churches. And we're, and we're going into Holy Week right now. But I, I just want you to take a moment with me and see where God led us as a church to go next and the title of this next series that you'll see. As, as you see this video, I want you to know we named this I think it was maybe October, November, nothing of what we're going through was on the horizon. We didn't know. And this is what we named our next series. 
and the resource we had planned and now have for you. Check this out. Check out the video for our next series. It's called Wait. I mean, how about that, right? Just think about that. This, this has been worked on for months. These were all written before the, the year ended. And, and they've been working on, you know, putting the book together and kind of putting it all in. And you just think like, wait. I mean, that is the theme of what's going on right now. So I'm super excited to tell you this, that the first thousand books for this were donated to this church by a family. They were donated so that we could have these materials. Our desire is that we will be able to put one of these, uh, one of these books in the hand of everyone who wants one within the Foundry Church. Everyone. No matter where you are, we want to get one of these to you. We're getting really creative about how we're going to do that with social distancing and things like that. So I'd like to just take one minute and um, ask you to do me a favor. Pay really close attention over the next week. If we send a video out uh, by mass email, just click on that and watch it. It'll have instructions for our Easter services, what we're doing for Easter. It'll have instructions on how you can get your weight books uh, with the social distancing protocols. We're working very hard on this, and we want to make sure you can get those. So please pay attention. You, If you don't have Facebook, uh, you just create an account and go to the Foundry Church and follow us. It's a best the best way you can really stay um, just up to date with everything that's going on, as well as our YouTube channel. We'll put videos up here. But um, this coming week, we are going to be sending out a bunch of, uh, not a bunch of, but some very clear instructions for Easter and how you can get your weight books and begin the journey of weight after the Resurrection Sunday celebration that we have. Okay. Here's what I would like to do. Um, I know a lot of you have said good morning on the YouTube channel, and that's awesome. But uh, just do me a favor. You can do it on the Facebook feed. You can do it on the YouTube channel. Just say good morning to each other. Tell us where you're from. It's fun to see a few people out there uh, that I haven't seen or gotten to talk to in a while that are showing up from uh, time long ago. So welcome to the Foundry Church this morning. Turn around and digitally bump knuckles with everyone, everybody, and then we'll get in to worship. So one thing I forgot to mention is we will be having a Monday, Thursday service on Thursday evening. It'll be a live stream service. We will be including all the information in the videos we send out for that. Today for Palm Sunday, uh, Matt Kuman is going to be teaching. So join me, tune your ears to the Gospels and the Word of God as we listen to Matt and see how God is leading us. As we do that, I just want to thank you for your generosity as a church. You have been giving and so faithful in that, going online and mailing your gifts gifts and tithes in. Thank you for helping us weather this season and continue to do ministry. Thank you for your generosity, both in the past and continued. We as a church are very blessed uh, by your faithfulness uh, in, in the tithe. It's just uh, the hallmark of the people of God. We know none of this is ours. We are stewards of it, and you've been very generous. And so we just want to say thank you, um, and thank you for your faithfulness in this. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Matt. And you're on. Awesome. Why don't we get started with a word of prayer before we dive in this morning. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this beautiful day. The sun is out this morning, and we just thank you for that. And we ask that wherever we are tuning into this, that you, turn, you tune our hearts and you tune our ears to what we may need to hear from your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, before we get started, like Eric said, it is Palm Sunday, and we are so excited to look at the story from the Gospel of John. But I want to start out with a story of my childhood uh, before we get going. I remember 
a moment when I first learned how to ride a bike, right? When you first get a bike, my first bike was bright purple. Yeah, I, I don't know why I chose bright purple, but it was bright purple. It had a nice white basket on the front, and I'm sure I kind of biked around with lots of important like tools and manly things on my nice purple bike. But how I learned how to ride a bike is you have training wheels on the back, right? And, and as I was younger, uh, we took it into the basement and we had a cement basement, so I'd go round and round and round with my bike on the training wheels and you'd put a bunch of pressure on one almost to the point of tipping it, but you never really would because you had these training wheels on the back. And then it came the spring and summer when I would go for bike rides with my parents and I'd see they, they didn't have training wheels on their bikes and I wanted to be an adult, so I wanted them to take my training wheels off. So. I remember this moment really distinctly. My dad took the training wheels off, and as I was learning how to ride a bike without training wheels, he would hold the back seat, right? He would hold it as I would figure out my balance, and if I would get too far off one way, he'd kind of help adjust it, and he would be there to help kind of guide me as I figure out the whole balance thing of riding a bike. And after that, we'd go on family bike rides together. And Shortly after that, I decided, you know, this could be my moment of independence. Like, what, can I go on a bike ride alone? Like, can I do this on my own for the first time? And my dad said, yeah, absolutely, go for it. So I remember it pretty clearly where I biked off alone and I turned out of our gravel driveway and then turned down another side street and I looked back and I couldn't see the house anymore and I couldn't see my parents and there was nobody on the road and there was no one anywhere and in my mind I thought, am, am I alone? Right? It, uh, what's happening? What if, what if something happens to me? No one's actually watching. I felt alone. Right, but when I got back from that bike ride, I, my dad was waiting for me there. He was right in the garage, and he was ready to ask how my first bike ride went. There was, there was this moment that he was there when I came back. Right, and I think, how often do we have a similar mindset of how Jesus is in our life to that story about riding a bike? Right, I think many of us believe that he was there in the beginning, and he'll be there in the end, but... What about this time in the middle? What, what does that look like? See, I think we can all agree that Jesus was. Right? If we look back in Scripture, um, if we even look into the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, John talks, says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And uh, John is in the New Testament. So these words are originally in the Greek. And word actually, actually means logos. And that's kind of symbolizing Jesus. So if we read it with that tune in mind, it actually reads like this. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. And the same thing uh, from if we go in the very beginning of the Bible from Genesis 1, uh, verse 26 specifically says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So you can hear the Trinity language in there. Let us make mankind in our image. Let us do these things. Right? Jesus was there in the beginning. We, under, we understand those things. We understand he was there in the beginning. 
And in the same way, especially if you've been tuning in with us over the last few weeks, you understand that Jesus is also there in the end. Right? We've read in Revelation over the last few weeks, uh, specifically from the beginning part of Revelation, it says this, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. You see, we learned that Jesus is the end. All right, we talked even last week again about how when the end comes, it will be suddenly, but it will be Jesus who comes suddenly. Jesus is the victor. Jesus is the champion who will reign on the throne at the end. All right, he's the Alpha and the Omega. The, those words actually are the first word of the Greek alphabet and the last word of the Greek alphabet. It's the beginning and the end. Jesus is the beginning and the end. And I think if we take a step back and we just look at those things, we, we can all agree that, yeah, Jesus is in the beginning and he is in the end. But often that kind of sounds a little bit distant, right? If you think of creation at the beginning of time, it's, I can barely think of what I ate last week, let alone creation, right? It seems so distant. And the future, right, the end seems almost a little bit abstract where, we don't really know when that's going to be, and we know it's going to be suddenly, but how far away is that, right? So we're kind of stuck in that middle ground of it, those things seem so distant, so what does it mean right now? See, maybe you're thinking, yes, I do believe in those things, but I, I believe, what do I believe about him being here with us now? See, it feels like that maybe, maybe you're thinking that between creation and the end of times is just kind of a matter of chance. Maybe you think that. Maybe you're asking, is he really here in all of this chaos? And maybe you're wondering if he's actually watching over me. Is Jesus actually watching what I'm doing? Maybe you're struggling to see where Jesus is in your everyday life, especially in moments like this. Right? It's the image of my dad letting the bike go and me go off on my own, knowing that he's not watching me anymore, but when I come back, he's still there. Right? He was there in the beginning, and he's there in the end, but what happens in the middle of it? See, today, we're going to be focusing on the Gospel of John. And it's Palm Sunday, so we're going to be looking at the Palm Sunday story, but specifically the Gospel of John for a few reasons. Uh, John is the one who also wrote Revelation, the series we just wrapped up with. And John is a disciple of Jesus, one who brought the good news of Jesus Christ to many different villages in the ancient world. Um, and John's story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, this Palm Sunday where people are waving palm branches, his story is, I think, really significant for what we're looking at because he hints at prophecy that was written about Jesus. And I hope that you catch that as we're reading. We'll kind of unpack that a little bit together. Uh, but this story is picking up at the end of Jesus' ministry. So this is Palm Sunday. This is towards the end of John's gospel. And it's Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. This is his last week on earth before he's crucified. So this is where this story is picking up. Um, if you have your Bibles, um, you can join us in John 12, and we're going to start at verse 12. 
And it says this, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. So those palm branches, that is why we call this Palm Sunday. They're waving those palm branches. They went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, catch that, we'll come back to that in a bit. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Right, that would have been a bit of a different image. The king wouldn't typically come on a donkey. Right? They'd come on a giant horse with almost a parade around him, and yet it's seated on a donkey's colt. Verse 16, at first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, which only at Jesus was glorified after he went back up into heaven, after he rose from the dead. That, that's the moment that this is talking about. Only after Jesus was glorified did, he realize, did they realize that these things that had been written about him and that these things that had been done to him. Now, the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So we'll take a bit of a break. What Jesus did before this in his ministry, he was doing a lot of miracles. He was healing the sick. He was causing the blind to see. And one of these miracles was raising Lazarus from the dead. And when people started hearing about this, they started following him. They, they were wondering, what, what is Jesus going to do next? Who is this guy that is doing all these miracles? So this is the crowd that's kind of following him. Um, raised him from the dead and continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So why does this matter? You see, as it is written... Did you catch that as we were reading from that scripture? As it is written. When that is put in any context in the Bible, it's often referring to something that was written before this. So John, the author, is looking at a previous verse in the Old Testament when he says, as it is written. So if you do a simple search of those words, you actually come up with Zechariah 9, verses 9. Zechariah is a prophet, and he said these words in Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, do you catch those words? He, John is literally using these exact words and pulling these in so that when the reader kind of reads through this, they see, oh wait, this is who they were talking about. When they see the foal of a donkey, someone riding on that, that, that means something very special. But this is just one prophecy that Jesus fulfills. See, scattered throughout all of Scripture are hundreds of prophecies. There's actually over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfills with his life. And Zechariah 9, 9 is just one of those. And some of you may be saying um, that, well, what if Jesus came out? He, he probably knew the Scriptures really well. He spent a lot of time in the Scripture. What if Jesus just tried to fulfill as many prophecies as he possibly could? What if he just read the Bible and said, I got to do this and this and this? And that's why he asked the disciples to go get a donkey because he knew that was one of the prophecies. 
Right? But if we look at different prophecies throughout the Bible, Jesus actually didn't have control over a lot of those things. I want to show you guys a few of those in a minute. Um, one of them comes out of Micah 5, verses 2. It says this, But you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. So Micah, uh, this is a few hundred years before Jesus is even born. It continues, Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. So what do you see there? They were saying that the Son of God would be born in Bethlehem. And that is fulfilled in Luke 2 when we know this, that when uh, Jesus, before Jesus was born, there was a census. So Mary and Joseph uh, went off and they went back to their hometown, which was Bethlehem. And that's where Jesus was born. So it's one prophecy that he had no ability to do for himself, right? That, that happened. It's also one that comes out of Isaiah, Isaiah 7, verse 14, which is, again, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. It says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Right? And we know from Luke that that um, the Holy Spirit came to a virgin. The virgin's name was Mary, and Jesus was born of a virgin. See, a few that happened this week, a few prophecies that will happen in the last week of Jesus' life, one comes from Isaiah 53. It says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and his sheep before his shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. And we read in Mark 15 that when he went to trial, the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate says, hey, why, why aren't you saying anything? Are you going to say anything about being accused for all of these things? And it said, but Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. See, just another prophecy that is being fulfilled. One more to give you. Psalm 22 Verse 18 says, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. And John 19 says, When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and they divided them amongst themselves, one for each of them. Right, so there, those are just four simple prophecies about a few of Jesus' life, and they are scattered throughout the Old Testament and how Jesus fulfilled them in the New Testament. See, all these things were happening right in front of them. And and if you look at, if you think about the Pharisees, the Pharisees are a group of religious people who knew the scriptures. They spent tons of time studying the scriptures. And if anyone knows what the prophecies are, it should be the Pharisees. And yet, the Pharisees didn't like Jesus. They didn't like his agenda. They didn't like that he was saying he was the son of God and they were trying to prove him wrong. So what they did is they spent so much time trying to prove that he was not the Son of God that they were completely missing when all of these prophecies were coming to light. See, they missed it because they weren't watching for them. The scripture passage in John that we read, it says, So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. The Pharisees were so frustrated because Jesus was getting this crowd around him. He had just finished lots of miracles. He had raised Lazarus from the dead. And this crowd was starting to 
give palm branches and wave palm branches as he was entering Jerusalem. And the Pharisees are frustrated because they, they are getting nowhere with what they want to do. Do we know that Jesus still is, right? That's the question we need to be asking ourselves. Are, are we missing Jesus like the Pharisees, right? Is Jesus still present? Do we know that he is, Right? We know that he was and we know that he will be, but is he now? So I want to ask you a few questions. Um, how do we know that Jesus is? And maybe a better question in that is even do, how do we know that Jesus still is? And what is he doing right now in this moment? So I was talking to Eric and Erica over the last few weeks about this message. And we talked about how Jesus is doing some really cool things right now. And there, there's a lot of examples that we can get into on like a global scale of how Jesus is really present. We even think that there's, there were 80,000 live stream church services around the world. So th- there's some movement that is happening. But I, I wanted to share all of those different details. But they challenged me and said, where is Jesus, Jesus present in your life right now? Like, where are you seeing him? So I kind of took a step back and thought, and to be honest with you, I, I actually kind of had a hard time thinking about that. Like, what is Jesus doing in my life? And for the past week, I've kind of struggled with that. And um, me and my wife went on a walk. Uh, me and Jalen went on a walk this past week, Wednesday. And I I was pretty upfront where I'm like, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm being a bit moody lately. I'm kind of angry. Um, I'm an extrovert. I also a hugger, like, so I can't be within six feet of people and hug them and all these types. So I'm missing people, and that has really kind of started to bother me. Uh, we also, uh, five days after the quarantine kind of started around here, we were supposed to have the final inspection of our house. So we were supposed to be moved into our house by now. Uh, so all of these things are happening. Uh, we are currently still living with our in-laws, which is fantastic. It's going great. I have to say that because my in-laws are watching right now. I'm just kidding. It is going really good. But there's just all of these things that it's like, ah, I'm just not happy with what's happening right now. And I was moody about it. I was frustrated. And I get home that night, and I'm kind of looking through some of this message, and I think, man, I, I'm not looking where Jesus is right now. I'm not looking what he's actually doing in my life. I'm too busy thinking about what could be going better that I'm not actually seeing where Jesus is. And when I took a step back and started thinking about in the past week, where has Jesus been present in my life? There have been a lot of things, and I want to share a few with you. See, I've been able to spend a ton of time with my wife. We've been busy lately, so uh, these past few weeks, we've just been able to spend a lot of time together. We've been able to play board games and play puzzles. We've played uh, Rumi Cube. Anyone love Rumi Cube out there? I'm a huge fan of that. We haven't gotten quite to the extent of playing Monopoly together yet, because that'll break families apart if you do it wrong, right? But we've been able to read more. We've been able to go on walks and just enjoy nature together. We've been able to sit down and just have silence. And when's the last time some of you have been able to just sit in silence? Or just even to the extent of being able to sit and be bored, right? Some of us are just so busy that having this time to just be bored and just think about what's going on around us has been a real gift for me. 
See, and when I took a step back and looked at all of those things, I saw that Jesus was in all of those. He was in those things where I was able to build a better relationship with my wife and spend time with her. He was in my reading as I was able to actually spend time reading and not just rush through the Bible and look at things. See, but if I wasn't making an effort to see where Jesus is in my life, I would have completely missed him. I would have just continued to complain and think, well, it could be better. I wish these things were going different. But yet Jesus was showing up in my life. See, it's easy to miss if we're not looking for him. The Pharisees did, right? They knew the scriptures. They knew the prophecies about who Jesus was. And on Palm Sunday, when he was coming in, riding on a donkey, they should have they should have clicked in their heads with the uh, passage from Zechariah, the king will come on a colt, the foal of a donkey, but they missed it because they weren't looking for who Jesus was going to be. And at first, his disciples actually missed it too. Right, right, we read in there, John is one of the disciples, so he's actually admitting to it too. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. And what does it mean for us to actually think about who Jesus is in our lives? I love how this verse says it, uh, Matthew 28, verse 20, about how Jesus is. It says this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Right? Jesus is with you always to the end of the age. The God of the universe, he is present with you at this very moment. There's a lot of stuff going around, but don't ever question that he is with you in this exact moment. So here's what I want you to do. As we continue with what, who knows what happens over the next few weeks, continue to be present, right? Think about where Jesus is in your life right now and what he is doing in your circumstance to show himself to you. What is he calling you to do? Right, where is Jesus showing up in your life? Because he is the solution. Right? He is the purpose. Jesus was had so many prophecies fulfilled. He was always the solution. He was in the beginning and he was in the end, but he is also in your present. He was the solution and he is. If you hear anything today, hear those words that Jesus is. I want to close with this, this last story. Remember in the beginning of the, mes- in the message, I shared a story about how when I first learned how to ride a bike and there was a moment when I was out on my own and I was scared and pretty terrified that like, what if I fall? What if, what if I, I go off onto the side and no one is there to watch me and no one comes to my rescue? What, what if all these things happen, right? And it wasn't until about two years after that moment that I realized that, I was never actually alone. See, I have a younger sister, Miranda. Uh, She's two years younger than me. So about two years after I learned how to ride a bike, my sister started learning how to ride a bike. Um, Well, it was probably about six months after. She's a lot brighter than I am, so maybe she learned how to ride a bike quicker. But she had the training wheel. She did almost the exact same thing I did. She started, uh, she used the purple bike with the the white basket in the front, and dad would kind of teach her how to balance and everything. And then her training wheels came off, and then she wanted to go for her first bike ride too. And what I remember distinctly is that Randa 
kind of headed off on the road and me and dad were kind of waving goodbye to her and then I walked to go back into the garage to play with something else or work on something with my dad and what I noticed is that dad didn't follow me into the garage and uh, he just stayed out in the driveway and then when my sister got out of uh, eyesight, he actually ran to the mailbox and kind of looked behind a tree to see, to watch her the whole time. And when she turned the next road, he ran a little bit farther so that he could always see her. But if my sister looked back, she wouldn't actually see him because he was hiding kind of behind the tree line out of her sight. But what I realized in that moment is that two years before that moment, I was never alone. Right? My dad was watching over me on that first bike ride. He was always watching. I had, I had nothing to be scared of because he was actually watching, even though I didn't feel like he was watching me in that moment. See, my dad was watching. And in the same way, Jesus is watching. And he's actually always watching over you. Jesus was and he will be, but don't ever forget that he is. He is here. You see, our circumstances may change, and they have changed over these last few weeks, but that does not mean that Jesus is not present in your life right now. He is and he will be and he has been. He always will be here with you. So wherever you're at, don't ever forget those words that Jesus is. And at this time, um, we are going to go into a time of worship after I pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you uh, the way John was able to see that, you know, even, even the disciples missed when Jesus came in. But I ask that as we think about our life in the circumstances there, that we're in right now, I ask that you help us see where you are present in our lives right now and help us to never forget that you are in our lives. You are present. Um, be with us in everything we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Foundry Church, we're going into Holy Week. We started with Psalm 91. Let's just spend one last second there. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He'll cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will take refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Praise God for what we heard today of the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and is to come. Foundry Churches, we leave this place today and we return to whatever the routines are. And as we leave a moment of worship, let's leave mindful of Psalm 91, mindful of what Matt said of all the prophecies. Let's leave hopeful and sure that in the chaos, God is still at work. As you go today, I'm excited for Holy Week, and I want you to be excited too. We are going to find a way to worship together. Even if it's live stream, we'll do it again. Whatever comes about, just pay attention to what God's doing. Be present with God in this season. I think it'll be a special time. As you go from this place today, uh, hear the words of the benediction. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Foundry Church, bless you for joining us today, and may the grace of God be with you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the church continues to leave the building. Hopefully one day you're going to be back. Grace and peace, friends. We'll see you soon.